Thanks for stopping into the FF Campfire. Come and sit down by the fire and let's talk some football. Hey guys, how you doing? Good, going good. Well. You ready to talk some ADP trends today? We're going to talk about some things that uh, maybe we're unhappy about that's happening in the average draft uh, and maybe some things that we're happy about because we find a value. You guys got some uh, some fresh ideas? Yeah, I think I, te- I tended towards more of the... Uh, we're taking these guys too high, but uh, I think that's just me being negative, you know. Yeah, I think I, I think I kind of looked at it as, you know, maybe, maybe this is a, this is a, a value pick here, or, or maybe we're, uh, we're getting into some dangerous territory, and uh, just, just not, not making a great pick in a certain area. So we'll see, we'll see uh, what you guys think of them. Sweet. You guys want to introduce yourselves? Uh, sure, sure. I'm uh, Floyder420 or uh, Jake Floyd. Uh, just, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's me. I don't even have a Twitter, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, my name's Bobby. Uh, I've been playing fantasy football for about 10 years now. Started with my dad, and my first pick ever was Vince Young. So um, oh. that, did, that didn't go super well for me, but um, <laughs> my Twitter is, I don't even know my Twitter off the top of my head. Yeah, that's okay. We're we're anyway. working on the social media presence. Yeah. Um, you will yeah, find us, on. yeah, at FF Campfire, um, and I'm FF Big Willie, and uh, you know I play a lot of fantasy football. I'm in a league. I'm in a lot of leagues, and I've been playing since I was a teenager. My dad also got me into it. I drafted Tom Brady and Randy Moss though as my first uh, couple players. Ooh, I bet you won that year, didn't I you? Did, I did. I did. That's how I got hooked. I, I won a lot of money as like a teenager and it was like it, it was meant to be. I bet your dad was furious. <laughs> Shouldn't have invited you. <laughs> I think I got him a, a a present or something for doing it. It's probably like a tire or a pair of socks. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know. Bought him an ice cream with the, with the prize money. I, I could yeah, it was a low percentage. He only invited me. He didn't draft the team. <laughs> Uh, well, let's get into it, guys. Um, this is a this is a fun topic. There's a lot of startups going on, and I think people could probably stand to use um, some kind of strategic ways to look at how we can, you know, how ADP works for us and not against us. Um, we don't. It's not a be all end all, and there are definitely opportunities to say that's what everybody else is doing. I'm going to do this zig and zag, right? Yeah. All right, so uh, let's get started. Um, who, who wants to get the ball rolling? We got a couple players each. Florida, I'm excited to hear what you what you're bringing to the table here. I'm, uh, I know my guys, but I want to hear what what you guys have to say. Let's all hear. right, all right, I'll, I'll I'll kick it off and uh, maybe with a little bit of a dud. No, you guys, not the most exciting name here, but uh, I'm I'm actually going to go with Jarvis Landry, and uh, probably not what you're expecting, but. Where he goes in the draft, he just he he just he represents. He, he, you you can take a look at where he's going, and and you can rely on him for a steady production for throughout the whole season. His his entire career, he's played in in sixteen games every single season, 
except for last year where he played 15. And he's also he's also averaged over 100 targets every year of his career. He's Ooh. just uh, a money, steady receiver. He's reliable. And, I mean, last year was was a down year, admittedly. And there, there's reasons. I mean, it's it's especially disappointing because uh, Odell was, was, was hurt as well. So you wanted him to step up. But I think we can attribute that more to uh, – the first year of the Stefanski offense, and they they really did kind of come alive uh, towards the end of the season, where they, they they really started to figure the offense out, and and it showed up in Jarvis Landry's production. But if if you look around the receivers going there, it's it's Jalen Rager, it's it's uh, Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller, Corey Davis. They're all all kind of all kind of the same thing, but. With Jarvis, you, you know exactly what you're getting. I love that pick, honestly. He's like the perfect like wide receiver four to round out your roster. You went exactly. running back. You went running back heavy early in the draft, and you're like, I need a wide receiver three. He's right. got a super safe floor. Uh, that's a great pick. Yeah, yeah I'm surprised. You can, you can start your draft, and you can get real strong at your other positions. You can get uh, a, a a real good wide receiver one. Maybe a wide receiver too, and then you can, in the in the like the two or three rounds before that, you can spend them on like a Michael Pittman or a Lavisca Chenault or or a, another upside receiver, and then you can just you can just take Jarvis Landry and round out your receiver room, and then you and then you're comfortable. And he's 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 gonna last for another two three years. He's he's gonna be 29 this year, but he is Baker's most trusted target. He's, he's he's a great player. Yeah, and the way he plays, too, is not going to, like, put him in the way of getting just absolutely ripped by a safety or something. He's going to be running your right. whip routes, your your stuff that's, you know, it is going to be safety blanket stuff, couple yards here, couple yards there. PPR monster, basically. All off of play action. It's, uh, there's a reason he plays, like, every, every game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a useful receiver, and I did not, I mean, I didn't realize that he's been so consistent in play and in target volume. Um, that's that's impressive. He's kind of like a discount Adam Thielen in that regard. Right. And, like, if you think about Jarvis Landry, like, we all picture exactly what he is, but for, it's hard to remember that, like, he, a couple years ago, he finished as the wide receiver five and like, points per game, even, and on the season, like, he always finishes similar in points per game to to where he does on the season because he never gets hurt. Yeah, yeah, that's impressive. I like that pick, and and I want to also point out to to you know our listeners that uh, we're talking generally about superflex full PPR when we talk about ADP. That's uh, that's where we like to live. Um, so yeah, I like that pick. Um, Jarvis is a good one and, and they, they stand to be a little bit more efficient. I think you made a good point about Stefanski and kind of picking up that offense. Um, I, I think Baker's going to have a better year. Um, and maybe that's even, uh, better for Jarvis. So I like that pick. The last we saw of them, they were, uh, Jarvis was, was, a, was featured in their offense in the um, in the playoffs, he's just he's just his most reliable target, and they didn't really bring anyone else in. So I don't know, man. Rashard Higgins, quite the threat. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot of uh, little fast guys to run on the outside for sure. Yeah, 
Yeah. I'll go ahead here and get into a guy who I think is being overdrafted a little bit right now. This guy was he's going to be a rookie, so um, you know I could be very wrong here. I don't think I am. Um, I really, to be fair, I really liked his tape. He also has a really good burst score. But I'm talking about Michael Carter, um, mm-hmm. the running back who was just drafted for the New York Jets. Um, so I saw a tweet from Mike Clay come out the other day, basically given a – it was a, a tweet talking about the uh, round four running backs that were drafted last year in the fourth round. Uh, names like Josh Kelly, LaMichael P. Ryan, Anthony McFarland, and DJ Dallas, you know, oh, four yeah. guys who are, who are tearing up uh, dynasty rosters right now. <laughs> He also had a chart that showed um, round four rookies and their rookie finish. Only one of them finished inside the top 25 their rookie season. I don't even have the name in front of me. I didn't recognize it. But that was since 2001. There were a fair few guys that did end up as uh, top 10 running backs throughout their careers. But I think that this season, Robert Sala brought in Tevin Coleman on purpose. Tevin Coleman was in San Francisco with um, Tevin Coleman knows his scheme, knows what he wants to do. Like Robert Sala was scheming defenses to stop Tevin Coleman in practice, and I know that's a little bit, a little bit being dramatic there. But um, he's currently being drafted as the running back 36. I'm pulling him up right now, but he is going around guys like the aforementioned Michael Pittman, who I love this season. Hopefully, taking a step forward with Carson Wentz being the Colts wide receiver one. If you're really looking for a running back, um, Mike Davis is there, two spots behind Michael Pittman. Even though the Falcons did lose Julio Jones, I think that Mike Davis has, he showed last year, could be a top 10 running back. He was actually one of the guys, weirdly enough, that was on that list of fourth round rookies um, who ascended and were top 10 running backs at some point. But I think that's also just the running back position. Um, AJ Dillon's also right there. Um, and he's going to split time with Aaron Jones just the same way that Jamal Williams did last year. Um, Chase Edmonds is a couple picks in front if you want to take a shot at that upside. Personally, I don't. You can also get Tyler Boyd there as a uh, as a wide receiver. So um, I think that as a rookie, we, we sort of have to look at it like the, everybody's going to call their fourth-round picks that they had a third-round grade on them um, because mm-hmm. they want to hype their guys up. But yeah. um, I just think he's being a little bit overdrafted for the guys that you can get around him. I like that. I mean, it's tough because the upside is there, and you know, it it it's yeah. it's hard to say that Tevin Coleman is an actual competitor for touches, but uh, it it's it's all good points and relevant that he's been in San Francisco and you know worked in Soleil's offense before whatever the offense was Shanahan's at that point. I think it depends on your build because if you yeah. ha- if you have the opportunity to grab Michael Carter, you know, you're reasonably deep at other positions. Um I understand why people are grabbing him there. But uh, the fourth round aspect of it, I mean, it seems like the most exciting thing that we've gotten out of out of him since, you know, his college tape is that they wanted to draft him in the third instead. So that doesn't really that doesn't yeah. really pull me towards him. Um yeah, I, I like it, I, but, uh, you know, he could be a PPR monster, so... Um, yeah, and on that chart of Mike Clay's stuff, um, all the guys on there were, like, Tariq Cohen, Mike Davis, Naeem Hines, guys that were PPR yeah. guys. Yeah. Um, I, I certainly think that's in his realm of outcomes. Um, however, I feel like the Jets are good at Jets, hmm. and you've seen just so many players go there and be ruined by awful head coaching or whatever it may be i'm just mostly pointing my finger at adam gase um 
but he's not there anymore. So hopefully we can get something a little bit more out of these guys, there's, and there's a they chance. can be good. There's a chance. Um, but I just, I've been burned so many guys, so many times by guys going to the Jets. Um, aside from Eric Decker back in the day. Oh, but classic. Um, yeah, but yeah. So Michael Carter's my guy. Think so we're all a little bit too high on him. You might have already said this, Bobby, but would you rather take Mike Davis or Michael Carter? Honestly, that's tough. I think I'd probably go Davis because the path for Mike Davis to become a top 12 running back this season is a lot clearer for me than Michael Carter doing it. Yeah. Um, because Mike that, Davis yeah. is competing with like the ghost of Ito Smith and Javian Hawkins. Oh, don't um, don't besmirch Kadri Olison's name uh, in front of in front of Floyder. <laughs> All right. I think it's just Kadri and uh, and JV and Hawkins. Yeah, I guess they did. They <laughs> cut Edo Smith there. Yeah, they cut Edo Smith. But yeah, I think and we've already seen. I will always people get mad at me in my leagues a lot because they'll be like, you you keep getting ripped off in these trades, and sometimes I do. But I will frequently flip my picks for proven proven guys um, because as much as we value these picks in drafts. Um, and whereas players can bust, but if a guy has been a wide receiver two for multiple years, I'd rather have that wide receiver two than a late first or so, depending yeah. on the class, obviously. Cool. All right. Um, I like it. It's a good pick. And, you know, there'll be a lot of people kind of stuck with uh, just a you know hopeful pass catcher every now and then if he is not a running back that gets kind of starting touches. Um, and I think Mike Davis is going to run through a wall this year, so I would I would also prefer Mike Davis there. Yeah, I like the I like the pick. I mean, I get kind of why Mike Carter's going up there, but at that spot, there's there's too many players that, like you guys have said, we we know what we're going to get from them, and it's it's just an ambiguous backfield. That's why it's it's he's kind of an upside pick. It, he could be nothing, and then that's just a wasted pick. We know upside wins championships, so I think that's why all of us, you know, or at least the two of us, me and you, Floyd, are hesitant to fully agree. However, you don't want to get stuck with a guy who, you know, catches three passes, another Josh Kelly. You don't want that. Yeah, Um, Yeah, I mean, he did get a fair amount of targets in college, but, I mean, it's certainly possible, but, yeah, Mike Davis is the play there. Cool. Um, All right, well, I I got one. Are we ready to hear that? That's your Okay, so so this is a guy who I'm I'm really surprised that he goes as late as he, as he does. I'll do a little reveal on it. So in his four season career, he has a higher points per game average than DJ Moore, and he's less than six months older than DJ Moore. Yet he All still right, goes three full rounds later in ADP, and he's not even the second wide receiver option taken from his team. I have a hard time wrapping my head around why Juju Smith-Schuster gets drafted as late as he does. I love it. <laughs> I, was not ex- I, was, I was so confused. could not figure that one out. Well, it's yeah, bizarre. I so, I mean, this is it a guy is he's weird. literally built, and, and you guys, I was going to give you a teaser like saying he's, he's in player profile as DeAndre Hopkins. We don't think of Juju as DeAndre Hopkins. However, what it was it two years ago when he was in the conversation for Dynasty Wide Receiver 1? Yeah. yeah. 
I'm really confused by why Deontay Johnson in particular goes ahead of Juju Smith-Schuster, and it's really in almost all the drafts that I've done, and including ADP that I'm looking at right here. It's the, the YardsPerFantasy.com sleeper ADP. I, I'm, lo- I'm all in on Chase Claypool. I get it. But Juju Smith-Schuster has a one-year contract. He's built like an alpha receiver. He's going to go be productive somewhere else. And in four seasons, in four seasons, he's averaging, I, th- I think it's over 14 points per game, even in a season where we all but disowned him. We disowned him, and he, like, barely busted at all last year. Yeah. I think it also, his thing is that he was so high, and everybody was like, this is the next, like, the next great yeah. wide receiver. And, like, watching the fall, when you have that on your team and you're counting on him, he's probably burned a lot of people. Kind of like how Amari Cooper did to me. Yeah, so this is how we look past those emotions. Because uh, Juju Smith-Schuster is a guy who, you know, you, you fade wide receiver early on to grab quarterbacks and running backs. And he's going to put up points every week. He's a fantasy stud. And here's another thing that I found which is really interesting. And this circles back to the Deontay Johnson argument because maybe this is partially I don't think Deontay Johnson should go as high and it's that by the end of the season Juju Smith-Schuster had a 91% target share and that so or snap share I should say not target share that was the last six weeks Deontay's share dropped down to 79% so the Deontay is a guy who's built he's a volume receiver he you know his his comparable is Randall Cobb and I think that's fairly accurate of a comp because he needs the volume he's not a red zone target juju had 19 red zone targets last year to deontay's 11 to me i just see a guy in juju who is going to go and help any team that he goes to next year and he's still also clearly by the end of the way the season ended he's the guy that ben roethlisberger his current quarterback prefers to throw to in the end zone so I don't get it. I, I think that he should be drafted earlier. What are we doing with DJ Moore, treating him like the number one receiver on his team and Juju Smith-Schuster like the third? Uh, so that that's where I stand on that. I, I mean, I don't know what you guys think. It sounds like you kind of agree. Oh, yeah. I think I, uh, I, think I, I mean, agree for sure. Yeah. I think I moved him for, during the draft, um, the rookie draft this last season, I moved a like i think it was the 202 for juju straight up oh um, and that's like that's like sort of the stuff you can you could get him right now probably for a late 22 uh first round pick like if you're contending go get juju for your first rounder and have like a solid wide receiver two wide receiver three he's never gonna let you down that's what um, you yeah so yeah being a steelers fan i watched a lot of their games the drops that Ben was dealing with from Ebron and Deontay Johnson were just the most infuriating thing. And that's why their snap share declined and why Juju was getting more targets and more snaps because he was reliable. Their offense was absolutely atrocious. It can only go up to me. Yeah, I think so. I think it's a lot of hay about nothing. This offensive line, there was, it was awful last year. So losing these pieces doesn't, doesn't really make it worse. Yeah. Go buy Juju. All three of these receivers going within like five picks of each other in ADP, uh, anyways. It's like Clay, Claypool is 78, Deontay's 72, and Juju is 92. Okay. That's like, crazy. That value on Juju like, is nuts. I feel like 
it's pretty consistently like I've seen Deontay and Chase Claypool like either one could go first I feel like but uh, pretty consistently both those players are going over Juju and and maybe that's what's just wrong like they should really probably all be going in the same spot yeah, I yeah, personally would rather have I would rather have Juju if I'm looking for uh, a reliable producer, even than Chase Claypool, who you guys know I you know I'm a bona fide truther of the man. Um, yeah. be, just because I think Claypool is the week to week, he has week to week upside. You know, he can catch four touchdowns in a week, but uh, and I think he will be the dominant red zone target. But the thing is, we're worried about Ben Roethlisberger's arm. If who yeah. who falls away if the tar- the amount of targets I mean they were like the number one in how many targets they threw last year in the in the NFL if that stops if all of a sudden Ben is not throwing as much then who hurts from that it's not Claypool and it's not Juju it's Deontay so I I just I want to see uh, Juju get a little bit a little bit more love. Or not, you can just trade him to me. About is we're worried about Ben's arm, and if he can if he can survive the season, well, the, the one player who's moving on, who's most likely moving on from the team, who's going to be worrying about their quarterback next year, it is Juju. So they're all in the same boat this year, and and Juju should be able to pick a a nice soft landing spot. Yeah. Well, these two will be working through the quarterback change. Yeah. All right, so who who's next? What you got one, Floyder? Yeah, um, I got one, and it's uh, maybe I cheated a little bit here, but I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with two players. Ooh. But I'm gonna talk about this a little differently and more of a a macro sort of view. But I, I want to talk about Travis Etienne and Javante Williams. Okay, uh, two rookie running backs. Yeah, and 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 really, like we can talk about it in in that sort of t- in that sort of mind frame because I think when whenever you get a rookie class coming in and and you're looking at the running backs, uh, we can kind of put a running back into a a, a like a grade A tier, and I think there's there's three clear grade A running backs in this in this class: Najee, Javante, and and, and Travis Etienne. So, uh, if, and if we're thinking about running backs that are in the NFL, like kind of the spectrum of that would be like the bottom of that would be David Montgomery after he got drafted to the Bears, where he was like in in a line for a, a workhorse role. Like that's that's a grade A running back prospect coming into the league. But before these guys take snaps in, in the dynasty startup, even even though we know what we're going to get out of them, they're always going to go, for example, after last year's grade A rookie prospects. So, for, for example, in this class, pretty consistently, not, Najee Harris is going to go he looks really great on this on the Steelers offense, so he'll go somewhere in the middle of this class of uh, sophomore running backs with uh, the the big five, we'll call them. Mm-hmm. But then then shortly after that, after those big five go, what often happens is is guys like Aaron Jones and Derrick Henry and and maybe Zeke and and Joe Mixon. Maybe Miles Sanders or Josh Jacobs at this point 
David Montgomery. They'll, they'll all go before Travis Etienne and Javante Williams. And it's just it just makes no sense because while, yes, those, those players might be more productive for the start of the season, if you can, by halfway through the season, we can reasonably expect them to be producing on a similar level. And we can consistently look back at ADP and see that these running backs who are drafted as like grade A rookies, they consistently end up going within the first two rounds the next season, depending on how they finish their rookie season. Even even if they have a year like Cam Akers last year where they barely do anything and then have like two or three, four games at the end of the season, they're already to the moon the next year and they've jumped up three or four rounds. I think we should be getting that out of the way and just just taking the value while it's there. This is uh this is the F- Floyder running back strategy one on one. Yes, it is. It is. You... This is a Javante and Etn tweet. <laughs> I haven't been st- steered wrong by looking at running backs the way that Floyder does historically, which is that you you put it the best yourself is that they mature in value very quickly. What I do like is picking it's out the linear. What's that? It's almost linear for the first first year and a half of their career. Well, here's like, what I'll say. Regardless of the production. I'll say a co- counter to that because there was a time, and this is a wild thing to say right now, but there was a time early on last season that if you were not a truther and you had Jonathan Taylor on your team, you were willing to trade him. Oh, I bought him everywhere I could. If yeah. That, if that guy who drafted him was pissed still and like annoyed, it doesn't matter. He's a top three dynasty running back, and that's being conservative. Yeah. If you but, get him for like, this is more to my it, more to my point is like those people who sold him are are being foolish, and if and if they kind of drafted drafted the player with the mentality that I'm talking about, they they kind of understand that those first six weeks they they literally don't matter to the player's value over the long term whatsoever yeah unless they get hurt or something like Rashad Penny which can't happen I mean you can't pretend like it can it's a good way to look at it um I you know and I I like just just looking at both sides of the coin because if you don't end up with one of those guys and you're kicking yourself you know, maybe you didn't get Najee and you're comfortable passing on Etienne and Javante. Um, you can still pull that off. So so it is to your point. Don't, don't stop looking for that trajectory just because other people decide that they're done with that guy. That's also an opportunity to add them to your roster. So so maybe this exactly. value proposition. Yeah, this doesn't it doesn't end after the draft. This this value proposition that you that you have here. Yeah. Yeah. You can just go through and look and and you'll see like you can look at where these players go and I was doing it on that fantasy data site last night. Like it, it's consistently like a a five or six player jump per per running back as far as where they jump in the running back rankings to to next season almost I mean for the last like 5 years consistently. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm with you. So look for rookie running backs, and then I'll say up all the way up until like week six or seven. Look at them as as buys. 
in your drafts and and all the way through week six or seven. It's worth it's, it's worth grabbing them. To to the same point like that we made about Michael Carter earlier. Like we can't just look at Michael Carter or or even really Trey Sermon because I wouldn't call them a grade A running back prospect like rookie pick. We don't know what we're getting. We kind of know like the teams drafted these players like Javante and Etienne, and we know exactly what their plan is with them, and it's and it's going to happen quickly. We we suspect what we're we're going to get out of Michael Carter and Trey Sermon, but we're we're uh, we're reaching a little bit with them. So I wouldn't necessarily put all my eggs in that basket the same way I would with Etienne or Javante Williams, but. Like I said, like would would wouldn't you guys if you knew you had a if if you were going for it in the season, wouldn't you kind of happily trade a a twenty twenty two first and second round pick for Javante Williams or Etienne? I mean, I'd probably do that right now, honestly. Yeah. Right? I love, yeah, I love Javante. Um, I think he's going to be great in Denver, and they've already said like they've already hyped him up, and I wouldn't be surprised if Melvin Gordon doesn't make that roster. Hmm. Yeah, he's not on an expensive contract. Yeah, he's not and on. He's not on an expensive contract. I mean, what do they lose? Probably three million dollars by cutting him. Yeah, maybe. Like it's not a lot. So, Uh, where you guys at on Javante versus Etn now? Oh, I like Javante more than Etn. Oh, yeah. I don't. I don't know. I I haven't had to make that decision yet, and I'm kind of kind of glad. Uh, (laughs) I think I would probably. It would depend on my situation. Like, if I was depending on the player, like, if I if I really kind of needed him to take over as my running back too quickly, I think I'd probably just take Javante. But I think that Etienne does have a higher ceiling. Oh, yeah. I think he, Etienne's going to be more boom-bust as well because if he gets a cross, yeah. he's on. Like, nobody's catching that dude. Yeah. But. Yeah, good one. All right, Bobby, let's hear yours. You have uh, you have your, your second guy. Yeah. All right. So my guy is somebody I think who were drafting a little bit too high. Not that I don't like him. Um, I think he's a solid guy because the tight end landscape is just pretty much a barren wasteland after your big three of Kittle, Kelsey, and Waller, plus Pitts, depending on where you put him. But this guy is currently, um, it's Mark Andrews. I think he's going a little bit too high. Ooh. Um, and take. That's for that's for a couple other reasons. Um, I think that I would ra- I'll, well. I guess I'll just start with the other tight ends. I'd have rather have. I'd all rather have obviously Kyle Pitts, but he's going ahead of him. Um, I'd rather have T.J. Hawkinson. I'd rather have Noah Fant. I'd rather have Dallas Goddard. Those are all guys you can get after him. Also, going around Mark Andrews, you gotta give up guys like Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin, D.J. Moore, Keenan Allen, your aforementioned Javante Williams. If you're in a super flex, that's Tua, Tagovailoa, Deshaun Watson, regardless about how you feel about things, how that's going to turn out. But Matt Stafford's right there, too. Um, And so I just like all those other guys a little bit more. Um, But also, if you're looking at Mark Andrews, yeah, he had a great rookie year. Um, Maybe that was his rookie year. Um, Whenever he officially broke out, he had a crazy year. Um, I think that was his sophomore or, or maybe even third season. He's He's been in the yeah. league five years now, I think. Yeah. So basically when we're looking at him, he's only got a 67% snap share. Um, yeah. I want players who are on the field 
Mm. When I'm putting together a fantasy lineup, I know that's not what we score fantasy points on, them being on the field. But you got to be on the field to catch the ball, and he's only on the field two-thirds of the time. Um, He's also, I want my tight end running uh, routes out of the slot, create mismatches against your nickel corners and your linebackers. Um, Of tight ends, he's only number nine in slot snaps. And and for your tight end, like where you're expecting to put up really big numbers, number nine is not going to be good enough. Um, And in addition to that, he's only number 18 amongst tight ends in routes run. And I think that caters more towards the Baltimore Ravens being last in passing. They don't pass the ball a lot. They're a run-heavy team, and I know coming out of college, Mark Andrews wasn't really seen as the best run blocker. So if he can't run block, he's probably not going to be on the field. He's also just been kind of injury-prone. He was a little bit better last season. He only had, like, one injury like that was really significant that kept him out a little bit, hindered him. But I just love the guys around him that you can get and then waiting to grab one of these other guys like Noah Fant or um, – TJ Hawkinson, Dallas Goddard a little later who, you know, maybe they're not going to give you the upside, but you don't have to miss out on Keenan Allen, who is maybe a dark horse for like a back end or mid wide receiver one this season. That Chargers offense is going to be scary. Same with DJ Moore. He's a great wide receiver and you got to pass up on both of those guys to take a tight end who's only on the field two thirds of the snaps. So, Yeah, we we talked about earlier that you you kind of have to choose between Hawk and Mark Andrews usually because they go side by side. But I'm fine with getting Noah Fant after that, where you yeah. can grab a bunch of value at a, at other positions. He usually goes about two rounds after Mark Andrews and Hawk, so I, I'm yeah. fine with that. I mean, I, I what I do love about Andrews is that he has huge weeks, and so he can really help you win the way that some other tight ends can't. He's Lamar Jackson's definitely he's his favorite target obviously Rashad Bateman coming in I th- I think that will change but the the whole 67 percent on the field thing is something that you can't argue with we saw what happened when Hayden, when Hayden Hurst was was still there and who, who was the other tight end that interfered they like to do Nick multiple Boyle. yeah Nick, Nick Boyle yeah, I mean that you don't want to get touchdowns absorbed by Nick Boyle when you spend high on a tight end. That's for sure. I don't have a lot of exposure to 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 Mark Andrews, so I kind of like that one. But if yeah, he falls, to be fair, I don't, I don't not like the guy. I think he's a fan. Like, if you can get him on your team, like like a value, then absolutely because he will win you weeks. But where you got to draft him in a startup is not that value. Yeah. I feel like where those – I mean, even even with Hawkinson a little bit there too, it's kind of just the way the kind of draft goes is like everybody wants one of those big three or four now tight ends with Pitts. And once those guys go, Andrews and Hawkinson kind of feel like they're – they're basically in that tier, but everyone gets kind of scared that they'll miss on them, so they overdraft them a little bit. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I heard a stat recently. It was something like Andrews has played in 53 career games, and he's only started, like, nine of them. That only means he's out there on the first snap, but but still, that's that sucks. <laughs> it's kind of it's pretty wacky for a guy you have to pay, like, yeah, fourth-round ADP for usually. Yeah, that is that's wild. Yeah, and, and, and when tight ends are getting boosted by their uh, tight end premium, 
he's not really a player that really gets his points on volume. It's more from big plays. So he doesn't necessarily benefit from the tight end premium as much as some other tight ends might as well. Yeah, and we fall back to tight end premium. I don't know if I mentioned that before when I mentioned the scoring settings we prefer. But yeah, I, I mean, usually about a half point premium on the tight end. It does boost the position. It makes the top guys a lot more valuable, and it makes us kind of detectives as to who's going to be the other ones, the Robert Tanyans, the Darren Wallers, the Logan Thomases. This is a really good caveat into my next player, guys. So I, I appreciate the tee up there, Bobby. Because I want to talk about a tight end who I think is being undervalued. And here's another guy who is being taken as the, the second option, not the third option, but the second option at his position on his own team. And I think it's ridiculous. Um, I'm going to read you guys a tweet from, from the one and only Matthew Barry himself. And we're talking about Jonu Smith here. So Jonu Smith, since 2019, he's participated in 31 games. He's the second among tight ends in fantasy points per target, fourth among tight ends in fantasy points per reception, eighth among tight ends in yards per route run, third among tight ends in yak, which we know he's an absolute beast in. And then here's just a little bit of a, a Cam Newton to Jonu Smith kind of comparable because... Cam Newton supported a, a, a top tight end, top seven tight end in Greg Olson for five years between 2012 and 2016. And so this this is all a tweet that Matthew Barry put out on, on my guy here, Jonu Smith. Now, I don't understand why we're sleeping on this guy. He is so elite in yards after the catch. He, he's, he's actually graded better than George Kittle. The things that he can do with the football, is it, it's exactly what New England needed. So much so that they went and picked him up literally the day free agency started for $50 million. And I know not, not all of that's probably guaranteed, but it, he got a sizable contract for a tight end. We have to talk about Hunter Henry, right? They brought him in as well. And I get it. I mean, I well, I think I get it. Everybody wants the, the Travis Kelsey, the Zach Ertz. Um, that kind of like technical pass catching guy, but we're talking about a team who was awful on the pass last year. Team that has a quarterback who we're not even quite sure can get the ball down the field, and Jonu Smith is exactly what he needs in Cam Newton to to make that offense run on a on a whole nother level. I think he's going to be a target monster for them. What happened last year, and, and you know, to, to not, not be taken lightly, because Jonu Smith is an incredible blocker as well, we, we saw what he did in the first few weeks, but what happened was Taylor Lewan, their, their tackle, he got injured for the rest of the season, and Jonu Smith ended up being a blocker on the field for really the rest of the season. That, that's not, you know, while he is an incredible blocker, he grades very high in that regard. That's not what he excels in the most. I think we're going to see... The, the kind of like play action cross routes that Gronkowski was running and that Bill Belichick loves so much. And, and we're going to get to watch the yards after the catch ability from Jonu in all sorts of different ways. He did, he did a, a there's, there's a really fun play to watch where he did a, like a jet sweep into the end zone. And, and so we're not just talking about big play ability. We're also talking about a red zone guy. I think that Jonu Smith is going to catch the touchdowns. I think that he's going to be a target hog. I really think of him as the wide receiver one on that offense right now. 
and I don't understand for the life of me why he is being drafted after Hunter Henry and outside of the range of the top 12 tight ends. I would rather have him. He's he's close to Dallas Goddard for me, and obviously you don't have to take him in that range, but I would rather have him than Evan Ingram, than Hunter Henry for sure, um, than Bob Tanyan. Uh, I don't know if you guys can think of any other tight ends that go in that range, but it, it's a really easy decision for me. Uh, so I, what about Daniel Trotman? What, what about him? I would rather have Jonu Smith. Okay. Okay. I just seen what he can do. I mean, it, those stats were based on 31 games of of you know NFL play, and you know I, I I do know that he's dealing with a bit of an injury right now, but I just saw a tweet from Cam Newton of them working out in practice, so he's not he's not off the field because of it. I, I you can go get him super cheap too. Yeah, yeah, man. I I think it's wheels up. Yeah. yeah, I that was a deep cut. <laughs> yeah, well, and then I mean, you just got to think there's probably at least like at, at minimum ten targets going to the tight end position every week. At minimum, probably more. So there's a, there's a lot of targets there, and like you said, with all that yak ability, if he's getting six seven targets a game. Any one of those could, could turn that into a huge week. Yeah, he's 25 years old. He and he he's comparable to Kittle, which is a guy that, you know, with honestly, this may be a hot take, but without much of a track record, fantasy-wise, we still treat him like he's absolute fantasy gold in Kittle. I yeah. think that it's going to be really easy to say that again, and I know, you know, we, we can't ignore the fact that Mac Jones may be the starter there, but what is the best-case scenario for a quarterback who is new to the NFL to come in well, that's to have a guy who can literally make your job so easy that you don't have to give Jonu Smith the ball anywhere outside of the line of scrimmage for him to make plays. But Mac Jones can do better than that. So I, I don't think it would be worse. I almost think it would be better if Mac Jones was, was on the field. It would be as well. Yeah. So. Yeah, because he's going to love his guy over the middle. Like, everybody, yeah, every sure. quarterback loves their tight end. Like, mm, that's... I'm gonna have to go buy some uh, some Johnny Smith now. Love it, <laughs> love it. Um, well, this has been this has been fun, guys. Did, uh, did you guys learn some stuff? I mean, Johnny Smith is something that it sounds like you guys are gonna go probably challenge me in some of our leagues together to go get him. So that's one takeaway. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was useful for me to like because I feel like I can get him so cheap. Like he's not. There's probably people who barely even realize they have him on their roster. Yeah, you probably could get him for like a a third, maybe a second and a third if you if somebody's really holding your feet to the fire. But I can't imagine it's going to take more than that. Yeah, this was a bit yeah, ridiculous. I, but I'm in a ten team league, a dynasty league, and uh, we have pretty small rosters. Uh, and somebody dropped him when he got injured, oh. and I picked him, I picked him up off <laughs> off a of fab. I spent a lot of money on him, and it's seasonal fab. It's not even off season. But I was yeah. so I, I put the little fire emoji under it because I was so excited that I got him. That's crazy. Yeah, I think I traded for I traded for him last season for like a mid second I want to say, but that's after his like big absolute breakout games he was having. Imagine well, that offense last year. It looked like he was going to break out big time. Yeah. Well then, I mean if if that's true and Taylor he did spend time blocking because Taylor Lewan got hurt. That's that's an easy explanation, because that just means he's a great blocker. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah they'll be then, on the field. And they ran like that the rest of the the year. They were 
in heavy packages and they have Ferkser running routes. Mm. He's not a good blocker, I don't think. Yeah, Tony, I think he was, he was great at the number one blocking tight end last year, which, you know, makes sense. He had a lot of opportunity, but, you know, with all that opportunity, he obviously did well. He was graded very nicely. So. And he's giant so oh my gosh yeah and he's his his player profiler he's off the charts as far as stats go so i'm i'm excited to see him there he's 25 years old too i mean this is like the prime of of a, of a young tight end yeah so. yeah and this is the kind of stuff where you like really can get a get an edge on your teammates or as your league mates as you're drafting like identifying these values getting people for a value building a team that just it steamrolls everybody because you took uh, Johnny Smith over Mark Andrews. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I like what you I did that. To, I had one more player I was going to think. I was thinking about bringing up. I'm, I'm curious. I want to get your guys' opinion on this. But another player I thought about saying was we were just drafting way too high. Is I think I think Joe Burrow. I think like if you if you Ooh. look at the ADP from like first and second rounds last year, it is like it's like. Uh, it's just like really eye popping because you see like five or six quarterbacks only get drafted, and now now we're drafting like eight or nine in the first round here, and it's like a question like, well, should should we probably be taking Fields and Lance over Joe Burrow? We might be swinging too far in the one direction, but I think he's just too much of a pocket passer that it's going to be hard for him to be consistently a top top tier quarterback year in year out that might not be worth the first round pick yeah that's what i've been seeing a lot of people sit basically saying trade your first and second round picks and startups and stockpile as many thirds as you can is that third round it basically is huge yeah i mean i i like joe burrow and i think that he can i don't know if he can return round one value that's great that's a lot yeah he's got He's got, I think, one of the scarier offenses in the NFL right. throwing, but it's not going to help if that offensive line is a sieve like it was last year. Hmm. So, yeah. granted, they did do some good stuff in free agency signing folks. So I do have a little faith they're gonna. I mean, they can't be worse, but I think of them like the 2018 Rams light, like three. They're gonna have three 1,000 yard receivers. They're nasty. Yeah. I, I think he can. Like, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he's a top five quarterback. I think he can totally do it. But, but if you just look in like the, the past, like at the top finishes and points per game, or just season long, and and you just like look at the pocket passers that finish in the top ten, it's 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 rarely more than one, and it's like Aaron Rodgers and Big Ben, or Matt Stafford or Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan when yeah when Julio is going off so it's like yeah the other year thing position to do it yeah. but but we're kind of treating him like he's a Hall of Fame quarterback already yeah and I mean I think he's great I love him but damn it's it's a little too much because you like you would not pay anywhere near as much for Joe Burrow as you would even for like Lamar right oh I'm not I'm kind of low on Lamar personally I wouldn't I would yeah I would I would pay more for Lamar yeah same same here. Yeah, like a whole a whole starter more. Yeah, I, I I'm with you on that, and this, this is kind of like our bonus take. So, um, but I I like the Burrow explanation because it's going to be hard for him to return value there. And guys, you know, you know, I'm totally fine taking Justin Fields instead. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't hate that either. Um, I think that Lawrence Fields and Lance are gonna return value pretty quickly because yeah. Jimmy G is gonna have one of those games, or he's gonna get injured, and then um, Lance is gonna come in and just that offense is gonna take off. Yep. All right. Well, guys. Yeah. It, there's so many mobile quarterbacks now. This. We're sort we, of we there. Yeah, that's future. kind of a floor. <laughs> Is, is is to run yeah and and it's going to be hard with his his knee problem too i think that's the one thing that will be a little bit more challenging as he adapts is to get out of the pocket and i know that they say he's fine but um i i think we'll see some signs of that along with the fact that he's just not a rushing quarterback for fantasy that it might be hard might be hard to sustain volume all right. Anyway, sorry for going off on that tangent, boys. <laughs> Don't be. Hey, it's, it's, it's good. It's campfire talk. Uh, I, I'm glad that we, we got these kind of ADP takes out. Hopefully it sheds some light on some opportunities in the upcoming drafts. We're coming on what? How many days until the start of the NFL, guys? Is it six? Less than a month. Yeah. Where, where are we at? No, not, not less than a month. That'll be the start of preseason. But, but still counts. That's the season. Okay, well you're counting that. I'm gonna say I I think it's something like sixty days until we are kicking off for the first NFL Thursday. Is it a Thursday night game? Yeah, the yeah. is. Isn't it like the Steelers and Cowboys or something? Sounds sounds like good. Game. Oh man, that'd be it, awesome. It's gotta be the uh, it's gotta be the team the Jesus who won the Super Bowl last year. Uh, the Bucks, right? They start. Isn't that how they usually kick off the season? The, the Bucks and somebody else. No, it's uh, it's the, oh, that's the preseason. Never mind. <laughs> it is the Dallas Cowboys and the Steelers is the first preseason game. Uh, week one of twenty twenty one is Cowboys Buccaneers. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, uh, this was a this was a good. We first ones in the books, huh? We we did yep. it. First cool. one's in the books. All right. Yeah, and thanks for coming to sit by, by the campfire with us, everybody. Uh, we'll see you next week. Later. All right, see you, fellas.